In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The compassion of Jesus is unlike the emotion that we typically describe as compassion. For us, compassion usually presents as some sort of emotional combination of sympathy and empathy, and it tends to come and go simply as a fleeting thought. Jesus' compassion, however, that churning in his inward gut is different. Jesus' compassion always moves him to action. He cannot and does not ignore his compassion. This is most clearly displayed in the suffering and death of Jesus on the cross for our sins, where he displayed his ultimate divine compassion. But Jesus' compassion also drives him to do other things specifically things which are necessary for the creation and the sustenance of faith. We are, after all, saved by grace through faith. Christ's atoning death and his justifying resurrection are objective fact, but the benefits of his death and his resurrection are grasped by us only in faith. And so Jesus knows that we need that faith, and it is his compassion that drives him to give us those things which are necessary for faith. And so it is compassion that drives Jesus to send the Holy Spirit upon his ascension into heaven. It is compassion that motivates Jesus to institute for our good the holy sacraments. And as we see in our text today from St. Matthew, it is compassion that drives Jesus to send preachers into his harvest. These things are necessary for faith. And so it's not primarily the bodily sickness and disease and death of the people in today's gospel reading that moves Jesus to compassion. Those things may be deadly, but they do no harm to the Christian soul. And those are the things that brought the multitudes in to hear Jesus. But our Lord's compassion is motivated by the fact that these people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This isn't according to their bodily needs, but it's according to the needs of their soul. If you've ever seen a picture of a shepherdless sheep, you'll understand Jesus' simile a little better. It's not pretty when a sheep doesn't have a shepherd, because for the sheep, whether or not it has a shepherd is a matter of life and death. Without a shepherd, the sheep's wool wool grows continuously. It gets heavy, it weighs it down, it gets tangled. The sheep loses mobility. It gets easily caught in brush. It struggles to eat well. It struggles to drink well. And it becomes an easy prey for predators. Without the shepherd, the sheep sheep grows harassed and helpless, and it dies. The situation of the multitude that came to Jesus to beg for bodily healing is likewise life and death. 
but here life means salvation and death means condemnation. If something doesn't change, the people will die, not physically, but spiritually. For although they were drawn to Jesus by his fame and even called on him in a bodily way for healing, they did not call on the name of the Lord with the faith that saves. This means that when they cried out to Jesus, they understood themselves to be taking a shot in the dark, that this guy might help them out with their bodily needs. But they had no assurance. And they certainly weren't crying out for the salvation that they needed more than the bodily healing. But then again, how could they rightly call on the name of Jesus in faith unless they believe? And how can they believe if they have no one preaching the gospel to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? For the faith lacked by the multitudes indeed comes by hearing the preaching of the word of Christ. And this gets to the heart of the issue. They lack faith because they don't have faithful preachers. And the faithful preachers aren't preaching because they have not yet been sent. And so until this moment, the people had been left to their worthless shepherds, like the scribes and the Pharisees, shepherds who were wicked, who were not worthy to be called shepherds in the most basic or generic sense of the word. These shepherds, these wicked false shepherds, did not care for the people of God, but they were motivated by their own vanity and greed. And so they did not feed the sheep with the word of God, with his grace or his forgiveness. Instead, they starved the sheep out. They even took advantage of the sheep in order to satisfy their own bellies and sinful appetites. And so the people were dying spiritually. They did not believe because they didn't have faithful preachers and when Jesus sees this sorry estate of the people, it moves him to compassion, which compels him to action. He immediately knows the cause for their weariness. But if our Lord does not desire even the death of his wicked enemies, but that they turn from their ways and live, then how much less does he desire his own people to die from neglect? Jesus knows that the people need preachers and that he needs to send preachers to these helpless sheep. He knows that they won't believe unless they hear and he knows that there are no preachers unless he sends them. And so Jesus sends out the 12 disciples and gives to them now the title of apostles, sent ones, to preach to these sheep. His compassion compels him to act. But he doesn't send his disciples before he first instructs them. He teaches them first to pray for more laborers in the harvest. He instructs them who to preach to, namely at this point, only the lost sheep of the house of Israel, not the Samaritans or the Gentiles. He tells them to preach that the kingdom of heaven has drawn near in the person of Christ. And he teaches them to give freely, but also to expect rejection, 
but still to preach without fear and anxiety because they do not preach their own word, but the word that the Spirit of their Father is speaking through them. And the Holy Spirit indeed uses this preached word to bring about faith in the hearers whenever and wherever it pleases him. And by this preaching, Christ gathers his sheep back into his fold, and much like a shepherd shears the long-lost sheep and cleans him up and gives him food and water, so Christ welcomes home his lost sheep of the house of Israel by cleansing them from their sin and feeding them with himself. But it doesn't stop with the 12 or the lost sheep of the house of Israel because Matthew 10 is really anticipating Matthew 28 where the limitation of audience is gone, where Christ has expanded the target audience of his preachers, not only to Samaritans or to the Gentiles surrounding Jerusalem, but to all the nations of the earth, including you. But although the scope of the audience has changed since Matthew 10, the content of the preaching is still the same. The preachers still preach to you that Christ has died for your sins, that he's been raised for your justification, that as Paul says, we have been reconciled with God through the work of Christ. That continues today through the pastoral office, even as it is displayed in this place. And just as the sending of the 12 was a sign of Christ's mercy and his compassion toward the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the pastoral office here is still a sign of Christ's mercy and his compassion. And we are extremely blessed in this congregation with not one or two, but even three pastors. And that is a sign that Christ is merciful and compassionate toward you. If anything in this life causes you to doubt this, whether it be sickness, poverty, shame or isolation, remember this. Our Lord has not left you harassed or helpless without a shepherd. He has not left you to die spiritually apart from his word, but he has sent heralds of his righteousness to you here in this place. And this is a certain sign that he loves you and cares for you. For through his earthly under-shepherds, Christ the Good Shepherd calls you by name through holy baptism. He leads you in paths of righteousness through his word. He forgives you your sins through the absolution. And he even feeds you with his body and blood in the Lord's Supper to strengthen your faith. He sends you shepherds who preach to you the word of the gospel which continually bestows faith to you. And in that faith, as St. Paul says, you call upon the name of the Lord, and in that faith you are saved. This is a matter of life and death. And thanks be to God that Christ has graciously granted you life through the faith that comes through preaching. For Christ indeed saw you when you were yet harassed and helpless to save yourself. He saw you caught in the thicket and vulnerable to the predators of your sinful flesh and death and the devil. 
And it moved him to compassion such that he sent to you a preacher, imperfect though that preacher may be, to preach the word that brings to you eternal life, that continues to bring forth the faith in you by which you are saved. And so we rejoice this day in Christ's salvation, even as the angels in heaven rejoice over us. And we pray fervently for Christ to send more and more laborers into his harvest, to preach his saving gospel, that the compassion of Christ, which we know so well, would be known by all. Oh, how great is thy compassion, faithful Savior, God of grace, that with all our fallen race and in our deep degradation, thou wast merciful that we might be saved eternally. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.